Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 29 of the Daily Logos. We're going to start working our way through the rest of the um, Gospel of Matthew. Today is Jesus cleansing a leper. So these are particularly tough for me, going through miracles, because you have people who are really scientifically minded and the people who are, I should say, well, I should say there's people who are more evidence-oriented and people who are more faith-oriented in some sense. And I may not be word, word, wording that exactly correct, but it's something close to that. So let's dive into Scripture. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1-4 through 4 says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. I think it's important to note that the leper asked to be healed and be made clean. So Jesus didn't go up to him on his own accord. He didn't walk, from the, walk, up on, uh, excuse me, walk down from the mountain and immediately go to the leper. The leper sought Jesus out, and I see that personally as a gesture of faith. To me, this is a story that perfectly demonstrates the action that we're supposed to have regarding faith. And it would be also important to note the four pillars of faith that we've talked about before, which are trust, conviction, action, and obedience. Action is not only a learning point that we should take away from the story, I don't think. It's the asking that's another learning point. That we're commanded to. If you remember the podcast, episode 24, it was titled, Ask and It Will Be Given. You'll see this asking that we're called to have was demonstrated by the leper. But the leper wasn't there at the sermon. That's what's so neat to see. And I don't think we should read these verses about miracles and simply say something akin to, Man, Jesus was cool. Imagine all the power he had. Or look at the power he did have. I think we need to look closer at the, miracle, the stories of miracles and look for echoes of teachings so we can learn how to be healed or help other people towards that process. We could even say that the leper didn't only ask, he was also seeking and knocking, both of which I think it's just so cool to note that. Now let's talk about miracles. This is, you know, the more scientifically minded or the people who are more faith-oriented. Again, forgive me if the, if the wording could be refined better. So let's hit the definition first. A miracle is defined as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. So for those who trust Christ and are in awe of his power over natural laws, then nothing really needs to be said for, for you all. However, for those who are more scientifically minded, I think there's some more clarification that we could use. For those who are more scientifically minded, there's a difference between something being biblically empirical versus something that is scientifically empirical reproduced in a lab for observation. So I've, I've noticed this in atheist Christian debates. And it's always bothered me when the word empirical is used because I, I haven't heard it yet. People distinguishing the difference between something that's biblically empirical and something scientifically empirical that can be reproduced and observed in a laboratory. And the reason that needs to be distinguished is because the Bible is not a scientific text. The Bible is a religious text that's religiously and spiritually empirical. 
I've heard people say before that they are not religious, but they are spiritual. And I will confess that I used to say the same thing until I was in school for theology and apologetics, and I started revisiting the definition of these words. The definition of religious is relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. Now, after reading that definition, I would hope that all Christians consider themselves religious because salvation through Jesus is the ultimate reality and Jesus is the ultimate deity, like Scripture says in Colossians 2.9. So, depending on whether you read the ESV or the KJV, both word it differently but point in the exact same direction. The ESV says Jesus was the entire deity in bodily form. And the KJV used the wording, the Godhead in flesh. And that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? It's the, entirely, the entirety of the Godhead in flesh. That's the Trinity in flesh. Jesus was literally the Trinity walking. And that is just, I don't think there's anything more profound than Colossians 2.9 regarding understanding who Jesus really was. And that matches John 8.58 saying, truly, truly, before Abraham was, I am. Because that's the great I am in Exodus when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush or near that, near that time. So Jesus, Jesus is God. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in flesh. And we see the Holy Spirit descending upon him during his baptism in multiple gospels. So all of Colossians 2, 9 matches not only the gospel of John, but also the baptism events for Jesus. It's all pointing in the same direction. So let's talk about leprosy some more. The following information was taken from a scholarly commentary. The condition of leprosy is a model of sin and its effects. It's contagious, it's debilitating, and it, and it corrupts its victims and makes them essentially dead while alive. And it followed that almost universally. Society and religious people used to scorn lepers. Rabbis especially despised lepers and saw them as people under special judgment of God, deserving no pity or mercy. That was terrible when I read that. I couldn't believe that. Imagine being a person suffering in this world from a, a physically debilitating disease, and there were entire groups of people who claimed you were unworthy of pity and mercy because God was judging you. How terrible is that? Absolutely terrible. Now, the same scholarly commentary goes on to say, Nevertheless, the leper came to Jesus by himself despite many discouragements. And he also goes on to note nine short things about this miracle and the event around it. Number one, he knew how terrible this problem was. The leper did. Number two, he knew that other people gave up on him as having a hopeless condition. So you, you could see a potential for hopelessness in there. Number three, he had no one who would or could take him to Jesus. And that's terrible. He had no help. Number four, he had no previous example of Jesus healing a leper to give him hope. Well, man, that is just so cool, really, because that just makes the faith of the leper even stronger. Number five, he had no promise that Jesus would heal him, so he had no certainty in the matter when he was moving forward and taking action. Number six, he had no invitation from Jesus or the disciples. Well, that's also an interesting thing to note, that Jesus and the disciples didn't seek him out. He sought them out. Number seven, he must have felt ashamed and alone in the crowd. Shame's another thing that, that sin brings forth shame and, and we don't want to approach Jesus. Number eight, despite his desperate condition, this man not only begged Jesus, but also worshiped him. That's also a lesson in there for us. Number nine, 
The leper had no doubt whatsoever about the ability of Jesus to heal. The only question was if Jesus was willing to heal. Man, talk about faith. Given all the information we covered in that commentary, we come to realize how much faith it took, really. Notice again the trust in Jesus, the conviction to approach Jesus, and the action he took to approach Jesus and then worship him. It's really an amazing story, truly. Let's go over one more scholarly commentary that teaches us how to apply this miracle to our life. This cleansing directs us not only to apply to Christ, who has power over bodily disease, for the cure of them, but it also teaches us in what manner to apply to him. When we cannot be sure of God's will, we must be sure of his wisdom and mercy. To be made clean, we must command ourselves to his pity. We cannot demand it as a debt, but we must humbly request it as a favor. So that's the key takeaway there, I think, is, well, you have to ask. You have to do it humbly. You have to beg for mercy and compassion and pity. And we have to understand that Christ doesn't actually owe us anything. Instead, we owe him. We are the ones indebted to him for his death and resurrection. His death offered atonement, and the resurrection offers eternal life if we live by faith. Let's close with a summary. Six short summaries. Number one, we must ask to receive. You have to ask. You have to get on our knees and pray. I prefer a, a prayerful posture of kneeling. We must ask to receive. Number two, there's a difference between scientifically empirical data and biblically empirical data, and we have to pull those two things apart. Number three, miracles occur outside of natural law because Jesus has power over them. Because like we talked about, Jesus is God, according to the Bible in John 8, 58 and Colossians 2, 9. He was the Trinity in flesh. That's why he has power over natural law. Number four, whenever we ask for something, we don't get it. That's because God's wisdom supersedes our understanding. And that's tough. It's very tough because, you know, the proper way to pray is put our request to God and then say, not of my will, but of your will, and then close it in Jesus' name. And that reminds me of the old Garth Brooks song that says, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And what that means is to trust in the wisdom of Christ if our prayers aren't answered. Number five, we must ask when we pray, excuse me, when we do ask, we must pray for our Lord's pity and mercy like we mentioned before. Number six, remember, Christ doesn't owe us anything. We are the ones that owe him. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.